I need to take a short quiz to help us to get started with the sermon this morning. You, this is not something you can flunk when I say quiz. Don't you, you remember the terror when the teacher says, take out a blank sheet of paper and number one through 20? Oh my goodness, don't do that to me. Um, my need to excel is great and my need to prepare, I mean, my need to excel is great enough for me to prepare, and that doesn't sound like I'm getting a chance. Okay, so but this one you can't flunk. Um, I just I'd like to see who had childhoods like mine, and then I borrowed some questions also from a colleague of mine, a minister, and um, uh, so let me let me see by a show of hands. Uh, have you ever cried over spilled milk? Okay. Um, how many hid your vegetables or gave them to the dog rather than eating them as you were instructed? <laughs> Something about hiding broccoli and milk? You, I mean, you can't, it doesn't work well. Uh, you remember blaming a brother or sister for something you did and getting by with it? Um, how many recall reading in bed with a flashlight? Um, this, this is not mine. How many of you put jello in the fishbowl just to see what would happen? This kid was meaner than I was. Or how many put fish in the jello bowl? That was just, that was just that minister. Um, we all misbehaved as kids. That was, that's, you don't know how to live. And, and, and there is about one in a very large number. I, I started to say a million. I thought, no, it's probably more like 10,000. A kid that just does what he's told? Don't trust people like that. Anyway, um, here, here's the deal. We misbehave, and uh, some of us never got out of the habit. Okay? Uh, you do remember what it was like when you had done something wrong and, and you had to face your mother or father or your teacher or God forbid your pastor because we are pretty mean um, you remember how that felt sometimes it was uh, worse than their actual dis- disapproval was the anticipation of their disapproval and it's very natural to feel that dread but it can Develop by, by the way, that, that dread is called a guilt reflex, and it can develop into something festering, growing, leading to shame, which is much more serious, so that we've not only done a bad thing, but we are bad. That's serious, and that's a problem. And uh, so we make adjustments, we learn to accept it, we... We and it drags us down, it poisons our mind, shrivels our soul until someone comes along and surprises us and awakens something in us, something we didn't know was there. Please play that video clip for us. All taxes must be paid in full. 
We're all Jews. Our own people working for Rome. Makes me sick. Collaborators. Let's move on. They're stinking vermin. You should keep your distance from them. Two men. Went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. And the other one. A tax collector. The Pharisee prayed. God. I thank you that I'm not like other men. Thieves. Adulterers. Or this tax collector. But the tax collector didn't even look up to heaven. He said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. God bless the tax collector, not the Pharisee. Anyone who praises himself will be humbled. And anyone who humbles himself will be praised. Matthew, come. There's not a thread of good in any of them. Thomas, Jesus has not come for the good, but for the sinners. He gives people a second chance. We should too. We continue today a series of messages uh, called, Who Do You Say I Am? based on a movie called The Son of God, which is a dramatic portrayal of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, as well as his message and mission. Uh, Each week we'll be watching a depiction of a Bible passage, and uh, this is as the creators of the Son of God movie rendered it, and then we will go to our Bibles and study and apply that part of Jesus' story to our lives today. Today we're going to look more closely at the parable Jesus depicted in that video clip. It's called the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. If you have an NIV Bible, that heading is is in that uh, heading, which is in Luke 18. You can turn there. 
And uh, I invite you to turn there, and we're going to answer another, uh, from another direction, the question, who do you say Jesus is? Last week in our study, we saw Jesus revealed as the Son of Man, which is a messianic title that also refers to the fact that he identifies with us in our humanity. He gets it. He is approachable as well as authoritative and amazing. And so this week, another facet, another answer, and that is he is the sinner's friend. The sinner's friend. In his life and ministry, Jesus showed a startling and in that day even scandalous affection for the broken, the lowly, the sinful, the struggling. One of the most common common accusations hurled at him by those who disliked him was this man welcomes sinners and eats with them as NIV renders Luke 15 2 you see in those days in that culture to share a meal with someone was considered a big deal even today in that culture uh, they'll share a cup of coffee or a cup of tea with you, but to invite you to dinner is an, is an act of trust, respect, and friendship. I had the honor of, of being invited to the home of the mayor of Bethlehem in Israel, but he didn't feed us. He just gave us tea, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, it, it's a big deal to share the meal. So when Jesus broke bread with people like Matthew, as was depicted in this uh, picture, and in Zacchaeus, He was extending friendship to them to such a degree that his critics said, um, this time in Luke, the seventh chapter, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So he caused a scandal by making Matthew, a tax collector, one of his first and closest disciples. He showed mercy to a woman caught in the very act of, of committing adultery. He even told this striking story of two men who went to the temple to pray. Uh, Let's read it together in Luke, the 18th chapter. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Jesus continues, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. When we live uh, in this century, the shocking nature of this story is largely lost because in our day, the word Pharisee is a dirty word. Uh, it It is a... Pharisaical is an adjective to describe a pompous hypocrite. Uh, But in Jesus' day, Pharisees were generally considered to be the good guys. 
um, they had preserved the Hebrew scriptures and some would say the Israeli nation, uh, the Jewish identity, and were general, generally respected by the common people. They were in charge of the synagogue system across Israel in Jesus' day. So when Jesus told this story comparing the Pharisees' righteousness to a tax collector's prayer, he could not have picked a more vivid contrast. This was a stark contrast. And I, I want this contrast to teach us today and help us to draw closer to Jesus, the sinner's friend. The first way I think Jesus' story can help us is by telling us this. Resist comparisons. The Pharisees' words, verse 11 Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. And then he lists robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. Every single one of us, from young to old, want to feel worthwhile. We need to know that we are worth something. We count. Uh, there's a scene in the movie, did you see the help Ibeline, who was a household made for a family in the 1950s, counters the mistreatment of, of little May Mobley by her mother by telling the little girl, this is a quote, you, a smart girl, you, a kind girl, May Mobley, you hear me? You is kind, you is smart, you is important. We all want to know that. How appropriate was Ibeline? Most of us at some time in our life have found it far easier to hear you're bad, you're stupid, you're no good. Many times as we try to counter those feelings, we do so by comparing ourselves like someone, to someone else like the Pharisee did telling ourselves, at least I'm not like him or her. And we think somehow that's going to make us feel better, but it doesn't. You know why? Because you will never build yourself up by tearing someone else down. It just doesn't work. Paul, the great messenger to the Gentiles of the first century, said, 2 Corinthians 10, we do not dare classify or compare ourselves with others. They measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. So, in a short sentence, stop it. Resist comparisons. They won't get you where you want to go, much less where God wants to take you. Now, this brilliant story of Jesus has a second uh, teaching for us, and that is renounce your own Righteousness. Look again at 18 of Luke, verse 12. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. This is fascinating because this Pharisee's prayer had the form of a prayer. Uh, at least it started off by saying, God, I thank you. Now, that's, that's the way to start a prayer, okay? 
good, good start, Pharisee. One of the best prayers you can pay, pray. The Bible repeatedly says, as in Psalm 136, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. A great way to start to pray. If the Pharisee had stopped there, Jesus wouldn't have a story. But he didn't. <laughs> I thank you that I'm not like other people. Whoa. So he turns a prayer of thanks into self-righteous boasting. And then he made it worse. Because another great way to pray is to confess to God. In 1 John, the first chapter, it says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Confession is great. But notice that our confession must be our sins, not other people's sins, not our own righteousness. The Pharisee did both of those in this so-called prayer. One of the ironies um, of this story is about the Pharisee is that in reeling off his own righteousness and other people's sins, he exposed his own sinful heart. Pride is considered in many circles to be the original sin. It, it's the big one. It can take other, other forms, perhaps. Uh, self-centeredness is, is, you know, about this much separate from pride. And um, uh, just plain old disobedience, unbelief, all of that stuff is kind of wrapped up in that picture. But he exposed his sinful heart, and it always happens that way. When we brag about ourselves, uh, unless we are giving money to people to have them sit and listen to us, it's not going to work. And it wouldn't work then, but they will stay. So, if you try to earn favor with God, if you base your hope of salvation, get this clearly, or your own self-esteem on whatever acts of righteousness you think are in your account, that check will bounce every time. The Bible says in Romans 3.20, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. The Pharisee thought that fasting and tithing would make him righteous. Both of these things are good, but if you're operating under that law, I was talking to an MD once about fasting, a friend of mine, um, he said, when I miss a meal, I believe I get a coin, that means from God, to put in my purse. Now, that's pure legalism. That's as pure as it gets. I do this. God gives me that. Um, so be very careful about that. It's very important to fast. It's very important to tithe. Um, don't call that your righteousness. Our righteousness is in Christ. So renounce your own. Give up trying to reach heaven or impress God with how good you are. He knows you better than you know you. And 
He knows you better than we know you. And since we know each other, we know that nobody in this room has righteousness that is going to impress God. God is righteous. Resist comparisons. Renounce your own righteousness. And when you do that, you may be approaching the place where you can where you need to be, where God wants to take you, and that is number three, rely on grace. Rely on grace. Let's look one more time in Matthew or in Luke 18, uh, where the Pharisee's been de- de- uh, depicted in all of his unrighteousness and his self-righteousness. Um, Jesus turns our attention to the other man who went up to the temple that pr- day to praise, the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, rather than the other, that man, this man, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The usual posture for prayer in the temple was to raise the face and extend the arms and pray. This is what the Pharisee did. Tax collector is over in the corner. He wouldn't lift his face, and instead of doing what you're supposed to do, he was beating his breast, and his prayer was, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Albert Orsborn was raised in a Christian home, His parents were officers in the Salvation Army, uh, a movement started by William Booth, who was the fiery preacher and evangelist. From his earliest years, Orsborn participated in the Salvation Army's many good works, such as feeding the hungry, giving shelter to the homeless. But Albert Orsborn never relied on his own good works, but only on the mercy and the grace of God in Jesus Christ. One day, he was on his way to his London home during a Zeppelin attack. And the following words formed in his mind. When he got home, he went to his desk without taking his coat off and wrote, I have no claim on grace. I have no right to plead. I stand before my maker's face condemned in thought and deed. But since there died a lamb who guiltless My guilt bore, I lay fast hold on Jesus' name, and sin is mine no more. Hallelujah. Like the tax collector, he knew the truth proclaimed in the Bible. Titus 3, when when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the tax collector of all people went home justified because he had just one plea. I I remember the hymn that Billy Graham Crusades used for the invitation. Just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me. The one plea. Just as I am, no plea but this. The blood of Jesus Christ. We sang earlier. Nothing but the blood. 
And if that, is, if that picture is offensive to you, it, it is offensive. It, it affects our sensibilities in a negative way. And if you saw a number of years ago the Passion of the Christ, it was way too much, way too much suffering and way too much uh, blood for us to enjoy, especially since we are so civilized and, and so violence-free in our culture. And my opinion of that picture, uh, the Passion of the Christ, is that the suffering of Jesus is underdone. I think it was worse than what was depicted. So our sensibilities are sort of affected. We're really not that nice. We are really not that sophisticated. We're all, have you ever sinned? Then you're dead. You're terrible. Except the Lord calls us. And if you want to go home justified today, you can go home forgiven. I don't care whether you sinned on the way to church this morning, which is not too uncommon, I think. We put the whole family all at once in the beginning of the day into one car and expect us to be holy saints. And it's hard to pull that off, I've noticed. But here's the deal. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses. And today you can go home forgiven. You can go home clean. You can go home refreshed. You can go go home healed. You can go home like the Pharisee if you want or like the tax collector. It's your choice. Cling to your own pride. Cling to your self-righteousness. Or you can rely on the grace of God and his mercies. Somebody said to me the other day, what's new? And I said, the mercies of the Lord. New every morning. Wow. People like me and people like I think you are need that. The mercies of God come to us. And so here is the one plea. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So if you're ready to trust Christ for your soul's salvation, you can pray, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. If you seek a closer, deeper relationship with God, pray, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. If yours is a need for wisdom or peace or strength, pray, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And as so many of us in recent days have need to pray and have need of comfort in, in the, the face of being bereaved, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Whatever your need, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, wherever you are in the journey of this life, Resist comparisons, renounce your own righteousness, and rely on what God gives. It's called grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for teaching us from your word.